Trendy is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, must be 21 years or older. Welcome back to another edition of Trendy, and it's another week where we have yet another guest who is coming to try to defeat me. Last week, it was Katie Mox, and I took her down 18.1 to 16.8, making me 3.1, but uh, or 3 and 1. But this week, we have one of my favorite guests, one of my favorite people, one of my favorite co-workers. We have Dave Damashek coming to take on the king. How are you doing tonight, Dave? I'm fine, Mergler, but you know what? It's rivalry week in football. Obviously, the baseball playoffs are going to get going. We have, uh, what do they call it? The Red River Shootout, or that's politically incorrect now, so they don't call it that. You have the Steelers and the Ravens, of course. You got the Cowboys and the Niners, the classic NFC tilt. Much to look forward to. So you and I, we got to say, no love lost. Even though I don't fully understand what that cliche means, like no love lost. What is that? Is it trying to be cute? Like those two never had love to lose in the first place. Mm -hmm. Is that the meaning? I've never fully understood it, but I don't care. I'm taking you down this week. That's the bottom line. That is a sentence that deserves some deconstruction as much as all your sentences usually deserve deconstruction because nobody ever knows where they're going, which is part of mm-hmm. your charm. And it's going to lead to some real fun conversation because we were talking a little bit before the show. I don't ever get to uh, record with you very much. I know that you know we're going to do a little bit more together going forward, but I don't get to ask you the questions I always want to ask you. I can ask them in private, but it's way more fun to do it for everybody else. So let's start with one, uh, Dave, and this one's been on my mind quite a bit. And you've, you and Hench have been talking about a little bit on minus three, um, but I want to dive all the way into it, particularly off yet another painful day for Pittsburgh football. So, uh, I mean, this is really shaping up to be an especially grim autumn on the banks of the three rivers, given what Pitt football's doing on top of what the Steelers are doing. I know. Uh, as a Virginia Cavalier, you and I have empathy. Somehow your team is better than my team. Uh, and that might be about the only team in the nation you can say it about. But it's hard to not be better than 0-5. So, Dave, here's my question for you. Let's talk a little bit about the quarterback position. Now, you've been on these mics for years talking about quarterback saturation and that there's mm-hmm. enough human beings that now walk the planet Earth to do at least a bit of a decent job. Are you revisiting that a little bit now that you're kind of watching one of those human beings and Kevin and Kenny Pickett? And I know he had an injury today, but even before he had the injury, he wasn't exactly lighting the world up, hasn't been lighting the world up the entire season. And so in this world of like alleged quarterback saturation is the worst place to be the Kenny Pickett's of the world, the Mac Jones of the world. Do you actually, are you better off? And you, you would never accept the trade. Like if you said Mac Jones for Trey Lance, like everybody like, I'd rather have Mac Jones. But would you, would you actually rather have Mac Jones? Or is there some beauty in failing fast? Is there some beauty in realizing what you have isn't going to get you the promised land rather than spending four or five years trying to figure it out? And even worse, having to give a second contract to a guy like Daniel Jones, who is okay, but is never going to be the exceptional reason that you get a ring. So are you caught in hell right now? Or are you are you one of those people who's like, no, I would obviously rather have somebody like Mac Jones or Kenny Pickett than Zach Wilson or another guy who's going into the ground? So the evaluation is like guy who is 
you you see the the talent. You watch Zach Wilson at the time that we're recording this Sunday night football just wrapped up. Zach Wilson did not look out of place trying to shoot it out with Patrick Mahomes. In fact, he probably had a better game overall than Mahomes did. And that arm is live for Zach Wilson. But it feels like at this stage in his career, we've seen what he is and he's too volatile and he's never going to make it. It's interesting you bring it up with Pickett because, yeah, that's the conversation right now in Pittsburgh. It's sort of the idea of sunk costs, yep. you know, with him and with the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. And it was kind of that evaluation eight months ago that as they as the 2022 season wound down, there was just enough to make you think, OK, it's not just that this kid looks OK, uh, can pick it, but. Now, if you remove the offensive coordinator, now you're delaying his progress because now he's got to learn a different playbook. And at what point do you pull the Band-Aid off if you feel like the wound is not healing underneath is what you're asking, right? I mean, that's like, well, it's a, it's the, like, are the Steelers in the market for a new QB this offseason, basically? Is it time to pull the Band-Aid well, off should already? They, right? Like, they only give out the one Lombardi, as you always point out, and, and that's uh, that's correct. 31 teams are going to go home disappointed. But are you always going to be one of those teams? Is there any way to not be one of those teams if your quarterback is average and entering into a second contract where you feel like you have to pay him? So you, no. know, you, have, like, you have, like, two options, Dave. So, like, one is you have a rookie quarterback that is – Average or above average, but it gives you enough salary cap flexibility to build other killer components of your team that can carry you to the promised land as long as you get at least above average play, play, play. or you have to have an exceptional quarterback or at least somebody who's worthy of the contract you have to give them that can carry some of the places that you have to band-aid over because they're eating up your cap. So if you end up with just the average or below average guy that starts destroying your cap, how are you ever going to be the team that is having the parade at the end of the season? I man, the imperfect process of landing the landing your QB and, you know, blame assessment is all the rage for these teams that are, you know, one and three or, you know, even two and two in Pittsburgh's case, because people got myself included, got over their skis about where this team was headed. So two and two is awfully unsatisfying when one of those losses just came down in Houston when they had uh, most of their offensive line out and, and hammered the Steelers was embarrassing. Um, yeah, I mean, the cliff, the decision point is like the class, I guess, ironically, now Jared Goff has served as the guy like he is an illusion just because you drafted him first overall doesn't mean you have to pay him to be your franchise quarterback going forward once he once his rookie contract ends. And once you do that, it cuts into the rest of the roster enough. And then the Rams became what the Rams were. After that Super Bowl run, now he's landed clean and come uh, come through clean on the other side up in Detroit, it would appear, Jared Goff. But the point stands, I think you're trying to make there. Um, the blame assessment, though, is like, here, here's here's the thing that like we we're having this conversation, you and me in this silo and like, you know, OK, maybe Kenny Pickett isn't the real deal. It's like. But landing the guy who is going to be the real deal to replace whoever you're dissatisfied with at QB is a hard trick because Brock Purdy is, I think everybody would agree, a month in, the best team right now is the San Francisco 49ers. And who's their quarterback? Yeah. Is this yeah. guy? He's fine. I'm not knocking him. But 
the process by which he fell into their lap. And you talk about Trey Lance. Think about that. The fluke that they're just going to get away with this Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch that they used the third overall pick and they moved, they, they traded away assets to get the third to get Trey Lance bust of a pick an all time, a boner of a, of a move. And they're just fine because then they fell into Brock Purdy. They deserve no credit any more than the Patriots deserve credit for Tom Brady, except that then when you start getting to the blame, uh, the blame game, you can try to put it all on the kid, but then the make good from Kyle Shanahan is he can make any quarterback look good. And, um, you know, the, the Eagles 18 months ago, there was nobody. You would never be able to convince me. Anybody in Eagles land was like Jalen hurts is the missing link for this team. Like it's so you move heaven and earth to get, a high first round pick to be able to bring that kid in. Those kids hit it about 50, 60% of the time. And then the other guys like Russell Wilson, not now, but 15 years ago and Brock Purdy and Tom Brady and all the, the, and Dak Prescott, those guys are late round draft picks. So I hear you, what the answer is. I don't have it. And neither do the, the scouts and personnel guys, or else they would be hitting at a much higher success rate when they go out into the draft and free agency. 49ers is a really interesting point because the other person they were considering in that is actually Mac Jones. So let's say they took Mac Jones instead of Trey Lance. Right. Brock Purdy probably never sees the field because Mac Jones was just good enough to continue to play. And so you don't even know about Brock Purdy, though. And so that kind of like circles back to my point that you want to fail fast so you can evaluate other options and maybe you find the guy who is it. And but the pushback is the pushback on that is, is that if you put Mac Jones in with Kyle Shanahan, what's to say that they wouldn't be exactly where they are now? Or better yeah. than they maybe were. I mean, so Mac maybe the Jones. quarterback doesn't matter as much as the system. I mean, that 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 is really interesting. But I think I think where the you know the the tipping point is right now is the Cardinals. So the Cardinals have Kyler Murray, but they're looking like they have the inside track to Caleb Williams. So should they lay down, make sure they get Caleb Caleb Williams, and then find some way off of Kyler Murray, or do they stick with Kyler and then let Caleb either? I they can trade it obviously at that point. But what do you do in that situation? I mean, the, the Cardinals provided the new template for pro football, and the and the 49ers applied it with Trey Lance and Brock Purdy, as it as it turns out, which is that um, you know Cliff Kingsbury now has moved on from pro football, if you haven't heard. But the thing that he did that really revolutionizes pro football is they take Josh Rosen the year before he gets there, 10th overall. Imagine you use yeah. one, you use a top 10 pick on a QB, shame the devil. You can't turn around. That's just not the way you do things in pro. You got to give Josh Rosen a, a fair shake here. You got to give him a second, third year to uh, give the kid uh, some reps and get, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, Kingsbury was like, I'm not taking the job if I can't draft Kyler Murray, number one here. And they go from there. And for a year or two, it was a good story. Now, I don't know exactly. It does seem like whenever you want to purge a contract, and if he's a quarterback who's had success, you'll always find at least there's one taker who probably will roll the dice on him. So they probably can get out from under that contract. But I mean, yeah, it's vexing. You talk about Josh Dobbs. I know they're one and three, but they're but they're playing they're in every game. It feels like they're they're putting a decent effort out there. And for what it matters to bring it back, first round draft pick, Kenny Pickett yeah. is not playing as well as Josh Dobbs is playing in the desert right now. And so do you put that on the kid versus Dobbs or do you put that to some degree 
on the coaching they're respectively getting. You know, everybody wants to be able to um, put a guy in the crosshairs. It's the head coach. It's the offensive coordinator. It's the QB. It's the guy, you know, whatever. But, you know, the fact of the matter is it's a, you know, it's a collective effort to suck. Basically. Yeah. I think that's the, I think that's the, the bottom line. And um, it, yeah, I think that to, so specific to the Cardinals, they, I bet you they would love to move on because back to where you started 10 minutes ago, if you can reset your cap situation by having the most important position, only making, um, you know, single digit percentage of that cap, then you're in good shape because obviously it allows you to pay for luxury items, pass catchers and shut down corners and the rest of it. Whereas once you pay your guy 50, $60 million to play QB, it's going to ding the rest of your roster's depth. And that guy better be the real deal. That's what you're, you're getting at here. What I think is interesting to throw one more uh, scenario in here, Zach Wilson look good on Sunday night. I can't imagine that Bob Sala and company are now so enthused about Zach Wilson that they aren't worried about quarterback for future times. But I know, but did they buy? Did he buy himself like five more weeks, six more weeks? Is the trade market so. of the Jets closed after tonight? Yeah, I think so. And I'll tell you the other thing is that what what where it becomes interesting is you know how bad, how long does the ineptitude or the losses at least continue? with the jets because they have Aaron Rodgers now and they moved a lot to get him. But what if they're in the spot to get Caleb Williams or Drake may or Shador Sanders, any of those guys might be there in the top five. If you're bad enough that you're in the top five, at some point we're only at the quarter pole, not even with the 17th game now. Um, But you know, you're going to start to see some percentage and the the new thing that happens in the NFL is the bottom feeders are going to start throwing away their, their, um, player assets to contending teams they'll start to trade those away for more draft picks so look for that shake out on the way shake up on the way too to see if uh you know the jets are players obviously the bears are heading in the inevitably horrid direction now and are they going to move on from their guy you know that's the other one you know the justin fields i, I mean Imagine five weeks ago, outside of three podcast, was there any cynicism being expressed about where Justin Fields was headed? You know, I was saying on that with Kevin Hedge, like, what were people talking about with the Bears going to the playoffs? What were we talking about? That team is not going to be good. Um, but, you know, they're, I can't imagine that uh, Eberflus is keeping his gig, but it's Justin Fields. Are they, like, bringing in a new head coach to try and fix this guy? Or, given where they're going to finish, do they reboot all over again fascinating stuff well tune in to minus three let's get the plug out of the way early to have more conversations like this i know we have to get to our picks but i love talking about it i do think we did stumble upon something dave i think it's going to be hard to pick between fail fast and it takes a collective effort to suck as the new motto for the extra points podcast network so i think we got Mm. something there that is Um, nice i like that that because that includes all of us yeah yeah no it's a real team how about water finds its level (laughs) extra points podcast network (laughs) presented by Omaha stick them down with us Uh, so Dave we are here to make some picks but before we do that want to talk just real quickly about your betting style you and I have talked about this before Um, I, I love you I talk to you all the time but like 
I don't go to you for my betting picks, right? Like, I'm not like calling Dave Damashek and be like, if all the people in the world, I'm going to call him, even though I think you know as much about football as anybody. But you are you more, and you've used this term to me, you're more my gambling pal, and you're the audience's gambling pal. That's what you're looking to do, right? Well, you know, you know, yeah, I don't want the pressure of anybody looking to me and then like when it doesn't work out, blaming me, then I'll feel bad. And I don't want that. Um, uh, I'm already blaming myself for everything in the world. I don't need other people <laughs> confirming that I am, in fact, responsible for anything less than perfection on the big blue marble. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm your gambling pal. What are we doing? We're trying to have some fun, right? Like, what, the, what you know what it is? Think of think of wagering on sports. The same as you do when you walk up with your chumps in Vegas or otherwise to the dice table. That's the vibe you want, right? You want everybody pulling in one direction. We all want not. Nah, don't be the stinker betting the don't pass line. Yeah, slightly better odds doing that. The problem is it's no fun. And then people say like, well, you know what's fun is making money. Yeah. Okay. You know what my pushback on that is? Then how come I'm always over 500 uh, against the number year after year? Everybody with their fancy advanced analytics and you don't get it. And and then the other side of things like you don't know ball breaking down. You're not breaking down the all 22. Somewhere in between is where Dave exists like Goldilocks. And like Goldilocks, Dave winds up on top. I don't want that to sound dirty. I just... (laughs) mean that like you know i do well with my picks i do as well as the uh as that but listen i don't want to say i'm a sharp but you know i'm i'm trying to enjoy the experience after all uh as we go along with all that so what's i i'm not trying to survive i'm trying to live live. yeah and part of living is is enjoying something in this uh world right (laughs) all right well I, you call yourself the love skunk. We have to come up with the equivalent for betting. Since people are, don't expect it, but you can't get Dave off of you. You can't get that over 500. You always are above the line. And even if it isn't what everybody comes to you for, it is where you end up. So I, well, people better come to me for that. And by the way, and, and, and if it weren't for a couple of, I, 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 I'm still raw about Mahomes taking a knee at the one yeah. yard line there. All you have to do is run that one in. And yeah. then, and then the chargers, bumming that one away the the um the eight points that i thought was i thought it was in the bag i I would have had another nice week now i need for seattle to take care of business in the very stadium zach wilson almost got over on mahomes that was a transition into monday night football there you go very good dave except for we have to take a break first to pay a couple of bills with the caesars and then we will pay off that transition Don't embarrass on the me. other side on the other side where we're gonna have some fun you know when the conversation turns stampers i always go with my number one as caesars let's talk about them a little bit shall we tickets to the game merch meals at iconic restaurants stays at caesars palace all this can be yours when you bet with caesar's sportsbook win or lose every bet earns rewards credits which you can redeem across the empire now if you haven't started yet register using this code listen up omaha full the word omaha and the word full and then you place your first bet up to twelve hundred and fifty dollars if you win great if you keep those winnings but if you lose you'll get your stake back 
as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas. Affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino. Call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit GamblingHelplineMA.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net, New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Okay, we are back, and it is time to play our game, Heart, Head, Heater, Cred, as we explore the best ways to wager for casual cappers. And, Dave, I'm going to start you off, pay off that tra- that beautiful professional transition that you play, uh, threw out right before the break, and we are going to jump into Monday Night Football. My heart pick is the Seahawks, minus 1.5 and, and minus 110. So, Dave, I don't, I, I've seen our graphic picks, so I think we're probably going to park our uh, car in the same garage here. But let's talk about it just a little bit. So the Giants, even more than the Seahawks, this is a bet about the Giants. They lost by 58 to two great teams, and then they beat an 0-4 team by just three via a historic comeback. So what is the expected result against a slightly above average team? I would say it's a three to seven point uh, loss to the Seahawks, which would easily cover the spread. If they're going to get blown out by great teams and play super close games with horrible teams, a team right in the middle should be able to cover here. And and the Seahawks certainly qualify. Their loss against the Rams doesn't look nearly as bad now as it did three weeks ago, as that team is much better than we thought in August. And uh, they took care of business, the Seahawks, in the two games that came after that. They likely aren't title contenders, but they are more than enough to take care of this team that is also missing Saquon and Andrew Thomas, arguably the team's most important pieces of their offense. And I can't find anything, Dave. I can't find anything. And I wish uh, Eddie was with here tonight so he can yell at me. It's always fun when he does this. Tell me what the Giants are good at. 
They aren't top 10 in passing offense. They aren't top 10 in rushing offense. They aren't t- top 10 in passing defense or running defense. They are last in sacks as a defense, and they gave up four sacks a game on offense. They're not like great ball hawks or anything like that. So if their quarterback is constantly getting heated up, they can't heat up the other team's quarterback, and they aren't great at the other aspects of the game, what are we doing here? What am I, What is the one thing they do that I should fear them against a, te- a decent team like the Seahawks even at home? I don't have an answer, so give me the Hawks minus 110. Well, I, I mean, I like Dable. I think let's start there. What do we like about them is that. Um, but beyond that, and I think Dimes is a little bit better, all the jokes and everything that we've made over the course of his uh, pro career. Um, you know, I, I think he showed a little something down there in the desert in week two, but best we can. It's it, it's we are in a weird spot here, you see, that is. I'm trying to think of a good analogy here for for life. It's like, you know, in the first three weeks when you go to college, you 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 think you have it all figured out. And then you look back and you realize like, oh, my God, I can't believe that that's where what I was doing with myself when I first got to college. And you realize in hindsight, oh, I didn't know anything at all. I think that's where we are in the football season. I think we bake all, everything pivots off of what just happened. And the only thing we have to go off of is about 180 minutes worth of football to regard, to divine what's about to happen here. So specifically, you bring up the Seahawks loss wasn't that bad to the Rams. But if you can kind of throw out week one as a mirage, the results tend to tend to not resonate in in terms of what you see as the rest of the season unfolds. Okay, so that was bad. So, okay, let's give the Giants a pass, too. They got shut out at home and hammered Mm -hmm. by the Cowboys. But since then, yeah, the Giants required against a lousy Cardinals team that big rally, and then they got dumped by the real deal Niners, too. The Seahawks, in the meantime, went into a real real tough spot, shot it out with those Lions, and, you know, the back and forth of that game in week two, and then the Lions just vanquished. That's a that's a signature win for them against the Packers and, and all of that. But I do think that the Lions are for real and rugged and all that kind of stuff. And the Seahawks went in there and beat them. Now, of course, it's only week two. And what that means come Christmas and January, not that much. But it does say that the Seahawks are are um are for real and that last year probably wasn't an illusion geno smith specifically or that team in general um whereas the giants without their best player um it or best offensive weapon at least in saquon barkley yeah it does add up to me that based on the evidence we have and it is not a ton that the Seahawks are the better team right now. And by the way, you know what the Seahawks want to do. They're so loaded up at pass catcher, but what they want to do is bang you all day on the ground. The Giants are letting teams do both to them. I think it's going to be a big day for the two Seahawks, their two primary runners. And I think Geno Smith is going to get off as well. So I I like the Seahawks to go into Jersey and, and win this game. Now, is that a hard pick or is that a head pick? What you just gave or what yeah. I gave? You oh. gave a hard pick, which I agree with, but I hate, I find it lame to go with the same pick as you uh, as my hard pick. How about this? I don't know. I'm going to let you tell me okay. to react. I don't know myself. That's the problem, Toby. I don't know the man in the mirror. You tell you tell me what I missed. Is this a head pick? Zach Charbonnet, ever so slightly, incrementally, 
getting more touches and not coincidentally more yards on the ground. I think Charbonnet going over 23 and a half uh, rush yards um, is something that you can, uh, you can uh, take it to the bank right here. And now is that a, a hard pick? Cause he hasn't had a ton of run three weeks in, but he is coming on. So unless you give me statistics that say, here's how his touches have increased and here's why that's going to lead to the overhitting, I think- I you can give you that. He's incre- you, I mean, well, it's, well, it's incremental. They're, they're just but not- But you didn't do it. So the way you presented it is a hard pick. The way I am now looking at this and the way I know about this is this just in my gut, in my head, in my heart, this just makes sense. So I think your Charbonnet bet should be your hard pick. What are the odds on it? The over is uh, 130, minus 133. All right. So minus 133, Charbonnet is your heart. Let's go ahead, though, Dave. Let's move to the head category. Now that you know that Charbonnet is going to fill your first uh, hole, what are you going to put in the head category to beat me? Well, the guy who is in front of Zach Charbonnet is starting to get it going here again. Week one, not great, but those are based on the flow of the game. In fact, you can apply the same logic to week two where they got themselves in that shootout against the Lions, the Seahawks did, where they weren't, the script didn't uh, demand that they turn around and hand the ball to Ken Walker repeatedly. In week three, they were put in that position and he did get off. That was the one time he went over 65 yards so far this season. His total is 64 and a half. I say he does that against the lousy rush defense in uh, with with the Giants there. All right. I do like that one quite a bit. I've got to think about my Taylor fail, but that one's that one's a contender, Dave. I like that pick. Uh, for my head pick, I am taking one of the unsexiest things you can do, which is a kicking bet. Jason Myers over 6.5 kicking points is minus 115. And if you want to repel everybody in your life, try to corner them for a conversation about why you like the kicker to go over and cover a bet that they are not involved with. But yet I am going to do that right now for an audience uh, spread across America. So I just think they're solid valid here. Myers has cleared this number 15 in the last 18 games, during which he's averaged almost 10 points a game. Seahawks move the ball pretty well, but they do not have a killer instinct to punch it across which is a great combination to get at least two field goals which makes it extremely likely you'll cash this bet with ease plus the giants have given up 10 8 and 12 points against kickers so far in the first three games as they struggle to stop other teams Hmm. from moving against them into their own half and eventually into the red zone and if you believe the spread which is predicted to be a very close game ot is a possibility at which point that greatly increases your odds yet again so one once you have money on it, it is fun to root for as anything else that you have money for, or I'm mean, sorry, that you have money on. So make the jump like a Grammatica and make your money on the kicking game Monday night. Now, don't no the only human being who kicks that you don't want to jump like is a Grammatica. <laughs> the guy ended his career when he jumped. Did you forget? I mean, of all the kickers you could have invoked there, Grammatica is the only one you shouldn't have invoked, and that's who you went with. Only, jumped, only guy, no, two guys, two never. grammaticas jumped up, one landed and ended his own career. Yeah, that, that's the point, though, Dave. Don't you see? Now I'm going to use your own reticate. Don't you see, Dave? Don't you see what other kicker is known for jumping? And how do they become known for jumping without a catastrophic injury? It's the only reason they're remembered at all. So you've got to go with the grammatica there. Who else would you go with to make a kick? Okay. Oh, 
okay, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, Garo Yapremian did that one terrible throw, but you're right, jumping isn't something you see a lot of kickers getting involved in. By the way, see, now this is what happens. When you start asking questions, then my mind starts to wander. (laughs) And when you talk about jumping and kicking, what are we doing that you're not allowed to jump? Oh, if you can physically vault, it's all about the, the great physical, the superhuman physical deeds and everything, right? Like talk about jumping, like Odell Beckham makes the one-handed catch and jumps and everything else. And, and the world is, is born anew when he does that. Why can a guy who's an agile defender not vault the line of scrimmage to try and block a kick? Super yeah. weird. It's inconsistent that the NFL would be like, no, no, no. We have, no one wants to see that kind of freakish uh, athleticism. That, 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 that'll sully the sport. I say, and I mean it too, I think it would be fun if you were allowed to, like, if you're allowed to bush push or tush push or whatever, why can't you take the kicker, who's the smallest guy on the team, unless it's uh, Sebastian Janikowski with the Raiders? It, why can't you take him and like have your two strong guys throw him up high in the air behind the line of scrimmage as a human like thing to intercept the ball when he when the kicker kicks it? You know what I mean? Not the other team's kicker he kicks it. It's up. Well, they they threw Jason Myers into the air and he blocked the kick. You know, wouldn't that be well, cool? We, we've already seen some really exciting stuff in the NFL this year. We saw a Hail Mary get completed. We've seen amazing athletic accomplishments. We've seen the Dolphins hang 70 on a, on a team in this day and age, which is incredible. The single most exciting thing we've seen all year is still the Patriots block kick where he sprinted it from the right. side to do it. So this is liven up the entire kicking game. As long as it's like not going to really endanger player safety more than the car crashes that they're engaged in on every single play. Like I'm with you, like throwing a guy in the air and catching him is less dangerous or I'm sorry, more dangerous than everything else that we see. Come on. The let's cheerleaders do it. Let's do this. The cheerleaders are off at the college games, throwing the girls up in the, uh, throwing them up 25 feet in the air. And a guy has to catch them. What football players can't do that. They can't throw Justin Tucker up over their head to try and block a kick. Be exciting. How high can these guys toss them? Like, what? Wh- how would the kicking game change if they had to kick it over a guy? It would be a factor that you would. Have, it would be a huge factor. It'd be awesome. You have to account for it. You have know? To account for it. Oh my God! Well, you have to account for the fact that every time I distract you, it makes you less likely to give out a good pick. So that's actually my strategy here: is to get you okay. off your game before you give out the next one. So who are you going with on the heater side? Well, here's the problem: is that you and I are both in on the Seahawks here. So how are we going to find some uh, some distinction to um, create a little uh, headspace or a little uh, room between me and you? Here's one for you. I'm going with the Giants team point total. Under 23 and a half. I almost Dave, Dave, went hold on. here. Hold on. We're at the heater pick. You're doing. Oh, oh, oh okay. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, this fee- fits neatly here. Um, We're both in on the Seahawks. So we want to kind of separate from one another here. So, I mean, we could tie if we just make the same picks all week here, but that's, I don't think what we want to do here. My heater is this three, almost three weeks through. The NFL season, if I've counted it up right, and there's definitely a chance I didn't count it up right. And if we remove the London game where there is a nominal home team, but not an actual home field advantage to be had there. Um, I believe it is after a 500 Sunday, seven and seven in week four, it is now home teams having won 29 and the road teams having won 35 of those. So if, if the number is anywhere close for you, it says to me that the baked in, which is no longer 
three points. It's more like two and a half with sports books, the two and a half or two points. Even that feels like uh, like an advantage that you're giving to uh, to the road dog there. Take advantage of that if the number is close and uh, and bet on the road team um, because the payout through four weeks just about um, is it favors you. Now, not not making a a fortune off of betting this way. The there is a margin to be had there based on the first month of this NFL season. Love it, David. This is exactly what the heater's about, right? This isn't something like, oh, this plus 1,000 hits every single time. That's not yeah. what we're doing here. We're making portfolio bets. We're building it out. Bet this 10 times. Bet this 20 times. Bet this 30 times. And over the long haul, over the long haul you will get a return. So great one. Look forward to uh, paying that off as, as we pick, as we identify the correct road dogs in week five throughout the rest of the week. I don't have the luxury of time, though, so I've got to give something out now because I am rushing heavily headlong into this crazy best of three wild card baseball uh, extravaganza that we have coming up starting on Tuesday. And because there's only a uh, promise of two games, I've got to give out a weird one here, Dave. I'm sorry. I'm going to make this complicated. So I hope people could follow it. I am going to bet a half unit on William Contreras over 1.5 total bases and a half unit on Geraldo Perdomo under 0.5 hits in the Tuesday game and Wednesday game. I'll bet it Thursday if Thursday happens. And then whoever wins is going to go play the Dodgers, and I'm going to continue to make the same bet in that Dodgers series once it kicks off on Friday. And I'll tell you why. Contreras has been truly excellent in September. While the rest of the world is watching football, baseball was still happening, and nobody was paying attention to Contreras as he hit 330 over the month, and he had hits, Dave, in 37 of his last 40 games, showing remarkable consistency. Uh, his overall hits is really good value at like minus 200 or so. That's been paying off if you were to continue to bet it, but you'd make fun of me if I gave out a minus 200. So I moved it to the over 0.15 total bases, which almost always has a plus number in front of it, guaranteeing you get a higher return. So he has 16 extra base hits and 14 multi-hit games in that same 40-game sample, giving you plenty of ways to win. And as good as he's been, Pardamo has been equally bad. This guy has been horrible, going hitless in seven of his last 20 games and despite that the bet is still somehow close to even money night Mm -hmm. after night and even has a plus uh, sign in front of it sometimes and now he's gonna have to deal with playoff intensity which really ratchets things up and he can get yanked at any moment because if he comes up in a clutch situation you have a guy that's been this bad even if it's like the fourth or fifth inning you got to pull him when it's only like one game will end your seasons in the best out of three so as soon as he does that you cash your bet instantly which is awesome so I like both of these bets, regardless of the odds, which is the point of the heater. No matter what the odds are, and as long as they're still eligible in October, I will be going to the window and placing them until the Dodgers snuff both of them out. Ooh, little uh, little uh, last remark there, little zinger right at the end there. I like these. I, I, that's that's super fun. It was hard to follow. I'm not yes. going to jive you, but there is a lot of math this week coming up in uh, postseason baseball to be done. Or like, if that happens, then this. But if not, then uh, the, the other way. Yeah. Um, the thing I have kind of a- observed anecdotally, I don't check the numbers. I'm too lazy to verify this. I always just ride on this premise. I remember that two of the very best regular season baseball teams I've seen were the 84 Tigers and the 90 Reds. And both of those teams came out like a house on fire. And the division was a wrap for both of them by early July. 
And then they took their foot off the gas and people kind of caught up. I was like, ah, they kind of really weren't great for a long stretch for a couple of months. I think teams get bored and, you know, the ability to flip a switch is no easy, is no easy task. But if you like the pitchers that they're going to run out there in this postseason, I think that there are juggernaut adjacent teams that know how to flip a switch like that. That means Rays and Braves to me in this World Series. I just am squeezing that in there. Just squeezing Squeeze that, in, that there. in there. I like that, Dave. You like that. I don't know what that pays off, but those odds have to be pretty good. So, Brett, look that up while we're chatting here, and we'll give that out at the end because I love that as a fun bonus pick. Um, before we get to our actual bonus pick at the Second Guest Express, we got to do the big one, Dave. We got to do the cred pick. Two units, the money ball. What are you going with as your big pick for this uh, edition of Trendy? Now, I want to make sure that what we're talking about here is, so this is my two-unit pick, and it's got to resolve itself by midnight Tuesday, right? That's like I'm not, by, by the time we take Wednesday, it's got to be resolved. I'm not looking at baseball. I'm going to I'm gonna lean on uh, my beloved pro football here. I'm going against the Seahawks. Uh, I'm not going to ride the Seahawks here. And I'm going to say that the Giants, what we've seen them struggling without Saquon, that is, unfortunately, your Giants. The offensive line is not a virtue. A lot of giant pro Giants uh, wonks thought it was going to be so far. It is not a lot of that it has to do with Andrew Thomas. Of course, it adds up to them coming in under 23 and a half points, which they have done already twice against for real teams. I think the Seahawks, while maybe not on the level of the Cowboys or Niners, are going to be in the postseason mix in a relatively soft NFC. And I think they're going to take care of the Giants on Monday night. Well, oh, I don't know if that one's what I want to tail or fail because I'm already so far in on the Seahawks. Oh, my goodness. All right, I'm tailing that one, Dave. Okay, we're, fun. We're parking our car in the same garage there. Uh, I'm going to back that one with you. I did like that pick, and it aligns with a lot of what else we've talked about. Now, you want further alignment. Here's what I got for you. Daniel Jones, over 0.5 interceptions. So Daniel Jones to throw a pick, plus 120. He has thrown a pick in each game this year. He's thrown four total. And I hate this game for him, given all the things that we've talked about, him missing weapons, not being a great matchup, and him probably going to have to be running for his life and taking some risks as he's under tremendous pressure with the Andrew Thomas being out and likely playing from behind. So if he's going to be harassed, he's going to have to take some risks. He's going to have to chuck it up and see what happens. I love this pick. And also, we've talked about it in multiple weeks. It is super fun to bet for an interception because, like, it's just fun to bet against a guy like yes you probably have a guy you like like all your your lemuse and everybody hero you had on pitcher but uh pittsburgh ben roethlisberger etc but we all have the villains we all have the guys that we sports hate we all have the guys that we want to see them uh fail and i'm not saying he's one of them for me but i win rooting for him to throw a pick tomorrow night as i see my seahawks not my Seahawks, as I'm a Commanders fan, but see the Seahawks carry away into the night and get this win. And plus, since we've got it right so many times over the last few weeks, I just feel good vibes in this pick. So I'll tell you that. Another pick. I'll, there we I'll go. Ride, I'll ride with you on that one. That's, I mean, you know, when they pretty consistently come in at, uh, at half a pick, you could do that with almost every quarterback. It feels like you would end up losing if you did it, but still it, it it's seductive. It is. You can go through every game and player prop and you're like, he's going to throw a pick at some point. Right. And it could, the answer could be anybody, you know, one, the one caught my eye, you want to talk a completely wacky, zero reason to believe in it kind of bet. But I do like 
at least Ken Walker to go 11 and a half over 11 and a half receiving yards, because I think the way wink Martindale likes to try to heat up the QB and blitz and all that, you, you cool them off a little bit with those dump offs and trying the screen game. I think Ken Walker goes over that and Zach Charbonnet may go over his even more meager um, receiving total. Was that 11 and a half? I, I, I may be misquoting those numbers there, but uh, I do like them to go over their respective, at least Walker to go over his receiving yeah. yards total there. Um, a fun one though is Gino who rushes for a touchdown about once a year when he's a starting quarterback on yeah. average plus four forty. I don't know. Ooh, I, I don't know why. Okay. If you're looking for something to jazz up your night and Jason Myers kicking exploits ain't doing it for you, sprinkle <laughs> a little something on Geno Smith. Then you're watching the whole game like, oh, they're inside the 10, run it, Geno. <laughs> well, uh, David, it's funny you talked about wanting to take the INT in every game because I kind of do want to take the INT in every game. I, but, I but I'm addicted to it after I had my favorite gambling win of the entire year. I, I've already told the story once on Trendy, but I'll say it quickly again. I gave out to Sean Watson uh, for an interception against your beloved Steelers. Three seconds, Dave. Three seconds. I cashed the bet. Three seconds into the game. There is no faster way to cash a bet than winning on three seconds on IT unless you bet the coin toss. I've, I've done the math. There's no way to do it quicker. That's excellent. I love that. And um, what you can also, there are all the interception totals that you can bet too. If you really are down on a QB, get in there. I've been looking them up. I'm probably gonna over up one and a half interceptions. I think you can even go as high as two and a half. All right. Well, it's no surprise if the odds makers were making bets that the longest episode of Trendy ever would feature my beloved and dear friend Dave Damashek. So we've already shattered that mark. We're going to shatter it all the way. We are going to okay. go Good. so far over that nobody's ever going to be able to approach it, but it is going to be really fun. I have a second question, another debate to have with Dave Damashek right after this break. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, we are back, and Dave got his second guest expresses out of the way early with uh, with Gino Smith and some of the other ones that he gave out there right at the end, which I, was super fun. I really like all of those. I'm going to give mine out really quick just as a way to get into the conversation I actually want to have. So Devin Witherspoon is over 1.5 assists at plus 150. From the guy who brought you a kicker bet, I'm now bringing you a quarterback tackle bet, and it is a good one, guys. 
fifth overall pick, has been on the field for 100% of snaps each of the last two weeks. And each of those weeks, because he's on the field so often, he has three assists in each of those games. Feels like great value, particularly when you consider that Daniel Jones is also 28th in average air, air yards. So we're talking about plenty of short passes, plus QB scrambles that give Witherspoon a great chance to put the ball carrier on the ground. I honestly should have gone with this for the cred bet, but I was just feeling the inter- uh, interception thing. And now I gave it out as a second guess express. I made it a lock. But here is my question to you, Dave, because I thought about this when I was looking up Daniel Jones air yards in the middle of a thrilling Sunday night football game, just to let you know where my life is at right now. Mm. Here's my question. Aren't 20 yard plus passes the new three point line in sports? Why? The, everybody's had the option. Like the three-point line has been around for 40 years. It's always been on the court. It's always been available. And all of a sudden people realize like, oh my God, if I shoot this ball from here, I get 50% more points and people can do it with the same ease they can shoot a 15-foot shot. So if that's the case, and that's the basketball revolution that we're all living through right now. And then you watch football games. And as soon as they start airing it out, like um, in a a clock situation, like a two-minute drill or even one minute or even 40 seconds to go in the game where they have to score, well, what are they doing? They're throwing the ball 20-plus yards beyond the line of scrimmage and taking shots down the field. So why isn't this a bigger part of the game plan? Why aren't more passes? Like I'm talking – I'm not talking like marginally more. Why aren't 50%, 40, 50, 60% of all attempts 20 yards or more just so they have a better chance at resulting in points, just like shooting the ball from behind this little arc gives you 50% more points in the NBA? I mean, I don't know. If things don't work out for Josh McDaniels, and I don't think they're going to, you have a good shot at the head coaching gig with the ghost (laughs) of Al Davis. He loves what you're talking about. Deep shots all day long. The The answer for that is, Remember when Tiger Woods took over golf, all the courses, including Augusta, had to trick the courses up to stop Tiger Woods from dominating? That's what football defenses have done to stop Patrick Mahomes. And it hasn't worked all that well, given that they won the Super Bowl by giving away Tyree Kill and killing everybody who they played 11 yards at a time. I, I mean, they're all those uh, two high safeties are taking that away. They're all daring even the superhero QBs try to throw it long on us. Like Tua kind is doing that because everybody gets that they're trying to run those shallow crossers or intermediate crossers with their speedsters. And so they dare you to throw it long. But if you're playing against Herbert, Mahomes, Allen, they're just making sure you can't throw it over their heads. I I, I feel like you're talking about like, are you sure you're talking about the 21st century? Because like <laughs> in the back half of the the seventies and early eighties, now now that was an era where everybody was throwing the deep ball with some success. But I I, I mean I, in the last couple of years, no, you know what has done that? It what I, it's not analogous to the three point shot because you know you you wonder like if Larry Bird had been born thirty years later, would he be the king of the three point shooter? I don't think he would. I think Steph Curry's just the greatest shooter of all time in in any era. If you drop him into the eighties, I think he's maybe not knocking him down the volume, but I think he still would be seen as the greatest shooter. But it's kicking in the NFL in the twenty first century. Do you know that Paul Hornig? I think it was nineteen sixty two, so forever ago. But you know, just about to the Super Bowl era. He was the place kicker, the the golden boy, you know, from Notre Dame, Paul Hornig. He uh, he was the kicker 
for the Green Bay Packers with Vince Lombardi. And he made 33% of his kicks that year. I mean, like this was the way. The designers, the framers of football never imagined the kickers coming out onto the field and making 55-yard kicks more than they missed them. And yeah. that's become the way. And like Justin Tucker is, is the best, but they all can do it. Talk about the upgrade, the exponential um, uh, success compared to their predecessors. It is completely reshaped football. And I, hot take, do not think it's for the better. I think it's for the worse. I think playing for field position and everything, there's something a little too easy. Your point about throwing a deep shot at the end of the game and pulling out a victory that looked like a game was lost. Yeah, it shouldn't happen in 27 seconds as often as it does. Like a team takes, oh my God, and probably they have the lead, 20 seconds left. Like you complete a pass or maybe two. It's like they're in field goal range. They're running them out there. 59-yard field goal. The clock's ticking down. It's good. Like that happens too much. It's fun if that's a miraculous. It happens every week now. It's too much. I, I, I don't love that. But it's an interesting point you bring up. What's it like? I think that the twenty yard mark is the key uh, key point to this. Like, I agree with you on the kicking and being too easy and not being a habit. So, we, I don't even have a great debate to have with you about this. But the twenty yards, I'm not, I'm not talking about throw it. I'm not giving like the drunk guy at the bar argument. Like, why don't this throw it sixty yards every time and hope for pass interference? Like, that's that's not what I'm talking about here. But when they line up with the two high for the Ravens. <laughs> with Joe Flacco for like a decade it worked. <laughs> I guess they got some Super Bowl rigs to prove maybe the whole league should be doing that. Maybe that's the market inefficiency. But I'm talking about like, okay, so you line up the deep safeties to give to take out the deep ball. So you're not going to be able to take the 50-yard shot. But the prevent defense constantly gives up that 20, 25-yard oh, yeah, right. route and things like that. And so like what that is the key spot to me, right? So yes, they are going to dare Justin Herbert to beat you for 60 yards, but it just ends up leaving a gaping hole right in the middle of the field. Oh, I that's see. another reason like tight ends have started to accelerate especially around like the kelsey who can run that you know like dig route and then out into the seam like 20 25 yards and so i just don't think i'm not saying abandon five yard uh throws i'm not saying abandon eight yards throws just like i'm not saying abandon layups and post-up games or even 15 foot jumpers if you're chris paul i just think there's a massive area of the field that if you, Where you can push it. that area more often, you would suddenly not be averaging four yards an attempt. You'd be averaging nine yards an attempt. You know, it's funny specifically with that hyper specific, but when a team, when the offense gets a holding call or otherwise, or a sack against it, and it's, you know, if it's second and 20, almost invariably, it's going to be third and four. In this day yeah. and age, it didn't used to be that way, but because it was always a draw or something like, but now they always run uh, uh, to your point, like an intermediate or or just a dump off. And the guy almost always, because they drop so far back to make sure right. that they don't get the, don't get to the sticks. They drop so far back that they run it up to about three yards. And so it ends up being third and short anyway, even when you get the sack or you get a, a penalty or otherwise. Yeah, that's exactly right, right? And so, like, if you mix it up and you throw more into that area, they're eventually going to have to pull their safeties forward or drop their linebackers back, but then opens up your playbook to maybe take the deep shot or, like, run some more uh, quarterback draws or anything that you've moved the defense around. You're moving the chess pieces around, which then you can react to, which is the great thing about the game. You're not locked into just one thing and then create new scenarios because now you're dictating to the defense. And you're dictating to them in, like, a fast-paced way because you're dictating to them in 20-yard chunks. 
And so I just like, I, I, I've been thinking about this since I was a child, but never actually had a microphone to yell into. It's like, why do so many points be given up against the prevent defense? Like it's the old joke, like it just prevents you from winning. It's because of things like this. And then just, you know, the old Seinfeld joke, make the whole plane out of the black box. Like just design your offense to throw into that part of the field the entire time. Just like now the NBA decides everything for the quarter three. Great news. You're hired as the Steelers' new offensive coordinator. <laughs> and but the bad news is you shouldn't be flattered by that. Like well, there, there, there's no human being that could do at, you know, could do any worse than the current guy. So you know, I'm just rolling the dice. I might be next. My mother, right. Mo Damashek, might be right after you if you fail. Well, I might either have to hire you as the GM or the quarterback because you're still to take this full circle. Going to need to find a guy who can throw a 25-yard out route, and I don't think you have him right now under center. So we got to mask the personnel up. But once you do that, I'm, I'm serious. Like, just somebody try this, please. Just somebody try this. I've just been dying to see it for 40 years. Do it for me. This is all about me, Dave. Everybody should know that by now. Thursday night, man. Can't get here soon enough. Your boy <laughs> Sam Howell doing it against the Bears. You got a good chance to see a lot of 20-yard completions. Well, let's come back on Wednesday night because we will be discussing the heck out of that game. But in the meantime, Dave, where should people tune in to hear more of your noise? I mentioned it. Minus three is the way you do it. All our great shows collectively on the Extra Points Network. And on Thursday, well, on Friday, you'll have our 15-minute NFL pregame show ready to roll on YouTube and on Twitter. Make sure you're checking all that stuff out. Please do and check out the rest of the Extra Points Podcast Network presented here by Omaha. We got Waiver Wired and Lemon Pepper Parlay, both on their own feeds now. Make them super easy to find. Those will be out Tuesday and Wednesday, covering glory later in the week. And Dave Damashek and Sarah Tiana on Extra Points on Wednesday. So we love doing the shows with you, Dave. You're a big part of the network. I, I'm always grateful to get to work with you. And hopefully people are grateful enough that they will still come back after we subjected them to an hour of a 25-minute show show oh no uh, what else <laughs> what else is new i can't help myself i'm a blowhard yeah well thank goodness you can uh on that note enjoy the monday night game enjoy the start of the baseball playoff season and we will see you back here on wednesday take care everyone.